Hey everybody, welcome to the Pastor and Fleet Podcast. This is Dale Guger, coming to you from the homeschool office in Cypress, Texas. I'm joined by my elder brother, Hans Guger. Hans, how are you? Coming to you from my office in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm uh, I'm okay, buddy. I had a uh, I had a frustrating moment right before this where I was trying to figure out uh, how to in, how to get my printer to print to the new copiers we have at the office because it's nighttime and I'm at the office, and it was a mistake to try and tackle a work task uh, at nine o'clock in the evening. So that was a now I'm just bugged. Hopefully I don't take it out on you. Uh, so that's one. But then a, a good thing is that I just bought some tickets to the Rockets-Pelicans game in New Orleans in a few weeks. Uh, And so uh, excited about that to go with the boys because, remember, from the past couple of episodes, I enjoy sports. And I can't look at at James Harden without seeing that gif is the problem. So I don't even like that the Rockets are number one. Uh, That's all right. At least you know it, bro. So I'm doing well. Life's okay. Um, You... You apparently just had a fun night simulating foster parenting. It was really fun. Uh, so I, I can go into it just a little bit, um, just briefly to give to give you, what, hold on. an idea. Go ahead. Is it like, wah? You know, yeah. I'm mad. How do you? Yeah, yeah they make you, you pretend to be. They, they make you. Uh, your only roles that you're allowed to play are foster parent or one year old baby. Um, and so it really <laughs> it, it plays it, it plays itself out pretty quick. Um, no, they, uh, basically it's a, it's a really cool thing. It's, uh, TBC, Tomba Bible Church, their, uh, like adoption support group put it on and the goal, it's a simulation where you attend and a couple of you are picked to be quote unquote biological parents. A couple of you are quick picked to be quote unquote foster parents. The rest of you are children and you are assigned ages and temperaments i guess for lack of a better way to say it. ages and temperaments temperaments that would cause from being maladjusted and world views yeah that's it you're also really into italian politics so that made it weird no the the uh and and so the hey, hey I like the politics. <laughs> so, no, nobody nobody knew what was going on i'd really i don't feel i don't feel comfortable with this with this simulation um but so they and they but basically they do a really good job so all the all the kids the all the biological parents have a problem and the kids get blindfolded and they kind of have a live auction for the for the children you and and you gosh well it's 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 meant to make you uncomfortable because that scenario actually is pretty uncomfortable like it, it is it does feel a little bit like a like you're just trying to pick the best kids some of the time not that not that anyone's goal is I want the best children, but that's you've got a whole bunch of children in a room and and people trying to get their placements. Here I've got a nice little boy right here. He's 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 looking for a home. Little Jimmy here, he's a good guy. But they they kind of walk you through that, and then you get placed in your foster home, and your foster parent has to try and do things, and you have to be combative and 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 have disciplinary issues, and then you have to sit down with your biological parents, and they have to tell they're only given like certain things. They make the foster parent and the biological parent meet up, and the biological parent has to say to the foster parent one thing that they think. Um, like, oh gosh, what was it? What one way that they're different as a parent? Christina, help me out. Lifeline. One way that they're different as a parent <laughs> than the foster parent, and they have to say it to them, but you have to say it in a way that's 
you're not trying to be a jerk. So, but it's really good. And then so a lot of the families there are, are actively fostering or, or have had experience with this and they're able to kind of cope and share their stories. It was really, really nice thing to be a part of, but that's, that was my evening Hans. I've got, I think we've got probably between this week and next week, probably one of my favorite topics that we've chosen to discuss and it's going to be a two-parter. We're going to start with this week. We wanted to do uh, pastor pastoral issues with their plebes, keeping the theme of the, pod, <laughs> the podcast, or, pa- or pastoral frustrations with uh, with congregants. Next week, we'll kick it up a notch, and we'll do uh, congregant frustrations is a hard word. But congregant foibles with pastors—it's it a hard word. Fr- frustration sure. is a hard word, but still, sure. difficulties or quirks that you, as a pastor, might look at your congregation and say, in good faith and good humor, "Come on, guys," and then vice versa. Next week, next week we'll tackle as being on the outsider, looking at a at a pastoral role. We'll try and do this delicately because surely I don't want to get any—I don't want to get myself in trouble looking at pastoral no, role foibles uh, no, that you, way. And that's not the goal. Won't. That's not the goal, but but Hans, we're going to go with your week this week, and you've you got, want me to go first. You're going to go first, okay. and so you've got a couple. Uh, you've got a couple uh, questions or, or or ideas up your sleeve. Let's start with number one. Yeah, so you saw mine. We're going to pose this as a question, and it doesn't have to go long. And I just have to start. I know you will next week as well. But by going, these are not actually things that I harbor. These are not things that reside with me. It was actually different difficult for me to come up with most of these uh is to go how do i actually talk about this because i love pastoring and you take you take the good and the bad uh you take the frustrations and and the joys and you hold all together so i love pastoring uh, but these were just things that i thought of as we were going some are more uh closer to my heart and it really is all coming from my experience so i don't think every pastor shares these this is just this guy uh so as the uh as the first one, and this is maybe one of my more serious ones, I have more serious, less serious, more serious uh, in my sandwich, is just why the pedestal? Why why does uh, why are pastors put, put into a position of um, over uh, over being overvalued in, okay. in, in, in maybe their perspective? Or in their, uh, you know, in in who they are, and 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 the reason I feel that way, or I ask that question, is because uh, sometimes people really like. I need to know what the pastor says. Well, I need to I need to be sure the pastor is okay with this. I need to talk to my pastor about this. And so the role of an elder in a church, I want to uh, shepherd the flock. And there's this words that a great book uh, uh, about pastoring does: know know the flock, lead the flock, feed the flock, and protect the flock. So I know that a pastor's role is different, but I also don't look at the pastorate as just the guy who's preaching. I'm specifically talking about the preaching guy and 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 somehow the increased access that it might be perceived that he has to God. And so I, I have a hard time with that. It's not really an anger or frustration, but there's this, this way I'm treated where there's this extra special maybe knowledge or holiness or whatever else I have, and people are like, oh, oh, pastor, I couldn't. I couldn't do what you did or what you do. And it goes to 
uh, when we talked about me leaving the church and, and some of those transitions where I'm just like, I'm looking for the next job. You look for jobs. I look for jobs. It's not all, all the same. But why why is it so difficult uh, to just treat me like one of the guys, I guess, is maybe a way to put it. I, Do you understand what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. And I think like maybe maybe to hone this down a little bit, you when you're a, a participant in what your whatever your church calls community groups or what is it community groups home groups whatever whatever the sure. thing the, 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 groups, the, we're the, doing, d, doing d groups as well okay. now too it's a new so, thing something, so they're awesome but something uh, like but that anyways. i know that this is like i can maybe going along with this this is something you've expressed in the past where you you like to attend one of those but you don't feel like you need to be the leader of one of those you feel like you should be just a be able to participate in a community like that, but you're you're naturally probably going to run up against like, well, this the pastor's here, so I don't really know how free I can be, or if he really needs to be the one to give the final answer on everything, you know. So we'll give our little pretend answers, and then we'll wait, yeah. for, and then we'll wait for Hans to give like the theological spin to it, you know. And and there are things, it, you know, there are things in my in my job. You know, I have a function in the church, and the way that the Lord has asked me to function, like at the chapel, there are things that I do, and I understand that I would be somebody's first call. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's not like, hey, never call me, never do this, never ask me to pray. It's not that, but there's the, there is this feeling of somehow, if the pastor does it, it's extra holy. And if somebody else does it, it's nice, but it's not as holy, you know. And, and people will say things like this to me: "Oh, well, you, you just have no idea what happens when the pastor does that." And when they say the pastor, they don't mean an elder or any of the pastoral staff. They mean the person who preaches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's often what I hear: the person who preaches does something. And so I don't know how to break that divide. You you clearly don't care because you're my brother, and my children don't care because they're my children. Uh, and they fart on me and things like that, and that's how they spend their time with me. So they have little interest in me being the pastor. Um, but it is a it, – it's not a big deal, but it's a its a gap that I wish in, in, in future ministries, uh, in, in future ministry environments, uh, I, I could somehow close. You know what I mean? Like I, I, don't, I don't know how to – I don't know how to close it other than be myself, but still there's this there's this pedestal that you can get put on that you're constantly I feel like you have to um tear down. Yeah. No, I can totally dig that. And I think that's it it might not even be specific to I mean, there's specific issues with pastoring, but even specific to organizations, anytime you have someone in a leadership role, I know that there's a there's like a loneliness to leadership because you you don't want to see yourself as an outsider, uh, and and it's probably leaders in most cases that are just like, I really wish people would just kind of talk to me like normal, and speak honestly with me. And so, but particularly in a church, you'd hope that that amongst amongst brothers and sisters, you don't want to put yourself out as somehow this this other thing that is not. It's not you're not you're not like varsity league Christian, and you look at you look on most people that aren't involved in ministry as you know lay Christians. That that that's probably it. That's a good way to put it like like that like i'm varsity yeah and if you were varsity you could you could be on staff too that's a good way to put it um but i i mean i i get it there's some differences in my my day and in yours there's differences in my life and in yours there's differences in what people ask of me what people ask of you and i look at that as just the way god has placed me in the church right now i just don't want it to be done in a way that somehow i have extra power or uh 
godliness that doesn't actually belong to everybody in Christ. That's probably why that, that nags at me. Sure. Is you can feel yourself being being lifted up in the eyes of the people, and you never want to. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to be seen as one of the people. But I do also understand the burden of leadership in the people. But it's not just the the guy who teaches. It's the elders. It's the pastors of the church leading and shepherding. And so, if anything, I want every all of those people to be viewed with that type of, uh, if at best, you know, respect. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, but maybe it wrong uh, idolatry or really just misplaced value. So okay. that was my first. All right, Hans. I Am think I crazy. No, no. I get what that's com- I get where that's coming from because okay. I can I can even see like even at our church there is. I mean, we've had Kevin on the podcast before. He's the executive pastor, and it's a lot of the same thing. Where my my view on that is a little bit is a little bit j- jaded. Not not jaded, but skewed because Kevin's in the family too. <laughs> jaded. No, it's not jaded. Skewed because Kevin's in the family, so I don't quite see him that way. You know, I knew him before he was the executive pastor of Redeemer. But I'd definitely say my relationship with Jeff is a little bit skewed that way. Um, and it's not even like an intentional thing in my heart. But Hopefully it, he's listening and will change that. <laughs> I'm saying, like, not that it's his fault or something, but I can just see, like, naturally f- feeling a little bit like an other there. Just because unless, unless we're hanging out or something, there's always going to be it's going to it's going to feel like that that more forced relationship before the natural one. Anyway, let's move sure. on. Let's move on. Let's okay. move on to your next one. Onward. So that's number one. Sorry if I offended anybody. Um, and it is true. My kids do pass gas on me as a joke. And it's always in moments where I think that I'm having this great, you know, eye to eye contact with Azure or one of my kids. And then they just, you know, they just remind me that they're ch- children and they don't really care about the affirmation that I'm giving them in that moment. Um, <laughs> so I love my kids. They keep me they keep me grounded. Uh, second one. Uh, can you help me understand why it's so hard to get the, to the service on time or really <laughs> just in general to anything on time? That's that's one. This is culturally bound. We yeah. are a time-sensitive culture. Yeah. So other cultures aren't time-sensitive. This is not universally the way it should be. Um, my friends who, who uh, pastor in non-time-sensitive cultures mm-hmm. – have no expectation that you get somewhere on time because on yeah. time is incredibly relative. But I do not get mm-hmm. uh, like our sister at nine ten forty five. I do not get how how you you get somewhere. And this isn't just at the chapel. This is many tr- evangelical churches that sure. I attend uh, or have attended or see or pastors that I talk to, where just for whatever reason, it's just cool to come. 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes late. Yeah. Now, there are good reasons why that might happen. Uh, fights, frustrations, con- confusion. I, like, I'm not, I'm not just saying everyone who comes in late is, is somehow you know, sworn to hell yeah. or something like that. But I don't get it. But when you see it as a pattern well, over it, and, you know, and it, it just it, becomes like, like the norm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. And they go, well, you're paid to be there. I'm like, well, okay, great. I work all day Sunday. Like, I, I generally work through lunch and into the evening, and that's fine. That's a part of the job. Uh, but I'm just asking for at max 75 minutes. I'm not asking for eight hours. I'm not mm-hmm. asking for nine hours. I'm going, can you get there at nine or can you get there at 1045 and participate in all that, not just me, but all that these people have planned to bring that day? Mm-hmm. Um, because 
we are a body and when 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 parts of that body show up late we cannot engage in the same experience and time together uh so we joke about it like at, at the chapel it's like oh chapel time oh mm-hmm. yeah chapel people you know oh i mean i'm 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 late to the nine but i'm on time to the nine twenty. like uh yeah you know and and so <laughs> that's so I don't funny get it. And, 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 and it's, yeah so so to me i uh i don't want to be disparaging of uh real reasons and and stories and things that go on i, I understand that um and at the same time I, I, I sometimes can't help but just go, is this a priority thing? Because I see you come on time to other things, no problem. It's not as if you have a chronic lateness problem. Some people do, but it's not like you're chronically late. It's that you are selectively late to things that the body is doing. Yeah, uh, That's how it feels, at least. And maybe I'm wrong. So enlighten me here, plebe. Like, what is the dealio? Well, no, I definitely think that there is – there's a heightened anonymity – in a large room like a church, even if even though what they don't know is that when you're on the stage or near the stage, it's really obvious when people walk in. So uh, that's a trade secret. <laughs> it's a trade secret. You can't sneak into a church that's already started. Yeah, since it's somebody who's usually on the stage. I was going to say, I'm, be, I'm behind a drum set, you know, well, for the first 30 minutes of the service. It's funny because I often, you know, we're, 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 our room is shallow. You've been in it. So it's wide but shallow. Yeah. And so I can see people when they walk in. And I've been here long enough that I know people's names. <laughs> and so I, I sometimes have no problem mentioning during my sermon if somebody walks in. Uh, or when there's like, there's going to be the time change this uh, this coming Sunday, spring mm-hmm. forward. And Blech. I have no doubt that. Somebody's gonna mess up and somehow get confused and come early to a service or late to a service or whatever it might be. Or when we change our service time, and so I just mention it as it's going on. I'm like, come on, come in. We're glad you're here. You know, just find a seat. We're we'll get started. So um, it's a thing. I know you have a value on that too, but I do. It's like, okay, is it a family thing? Well, I have kids. I'm like, well, Courtney has kids, and she has to come without her husband. Mm-hmm every Sunday but the times that we're on vacation. Yeah. So it's not just a kid thing. Um though that is like is it is it well, it's just really hard for me to get there on time. Is it a value? And I and I sometimes go to it must be a value. You seem to have a hard time prioritizing this. Or maybe song you know, I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. And it's hard for me to process that as a pastor to go Man, like if if you have a job where I need to meet you at a certain time, I show up at that time. Yeah, and it's if we have a lunch appointment yeah. and and it's to AO and we're going to meet eleven thirty, I'm going to be there at eleven thirty. Um, I, I and so so if if at the very, I mean, even without the spiritual reason, it's just like it just feels courteous. Sure, and but I think I think you I, don't want to. Sure, that I, I'm, you're probably extra extra cautious because that seems like such a almost stereotypically legalistic thing to like harp on, but to try. Right. right. Yeah. And, I, I, and so I don't want to be a, a jerk about it, but I don't get it. Yeah. Um, and it's not like it's only when I started coming to church that I did that. Uh, like, like getting somewhere on time is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's a part. Now we have, I just want to say again at the chapel, Many people are there on time. Many people are serving, and so they're already showing up. But that's a harder one for me. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I don't know. 
If you were devil's advocating me, what would your response be? I, I think you agree largely because you're very engaged. Christina's very engaged. But if you were to if you were to play devil's advocate, what might you be saying to me about that that frustration or tension point I have? Man, I guess the best thing I could probably say to it, and you're right, like it's you know, I'm most Sundays I'm at church at like seven in the morning. Christina's getting there early for 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 childcare stuff to get everything set <laughs> Which, up. So. Just so you know, is earlier than I am there. I usually get to the church at eight uh, on a, on a Sunday morning. I am not the first one there. Well, you're not. You're also uh, you're also not. Yeah, people you're that, not. What times your worship team get there? I'm sure. You, I mean, they're probably practicing pretty early or early ish. Well, they do midweek. They often do midweek practice, okay. and so they don't have. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah a little, little bit different, different, but but same. Yeah, but um. So I guess the best I could say, if I had to, is someone saying, "Church is our time to be filled." And also our day of rest. And so we have, that's a day that we like to approach with a little bit more laissez-faire attitude in terms of we let our children wake up when our children want to wake up. Uh, we want to, we want to walk in and we certainly don't want to feel, it's almost like a little bit of a, a little bit of a reverse bribery. Hans, we certainly don't want to feel judged for showing up <laughs> late, even though we made the effort sure. to be there. You know, wink, wink. And so it sure would be a shame if somebody pushed us too harshly about what time we show up to church. <laughs> it, 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 yes, and I don't think they would they would wink, wink that. I think they'd understand. Yeah. Um, and two, so my response, because I don't usually share my heart on these things or what's kind of what I'm thinking is there are a lot of people who get not just Hans. There are a lot of people who get to the place, the, the building, yeah. the gathering spot early mm-hmm. to be sure it's ready for you and we're ready when things go and i would love it if you if you're a part of our church family in particular mm-hmm. if you could put the you know if you could just make an effort to get there when everybody is prepared to receive you sure. because you have brothers and sisters who are volunteering their time forget me as the paid guy for a second you have many people are volunteering their time to be sure that your experience and your time there is good, as good as it can be, uh, and they have already given at times hours to mm-hmm. to the to the to the space for you. Let's, as brothers and sisters, show them kindness by also doing our part, which is getting there to be a part of the entire yeah. event or the entire time versus just the parts that are convenient for us yeah. because it does still feel a little, it's about me and what I want, what I can get out of it. So, um, that's, that's the second. Little, I appreciate, little, I, I was going to say, appreciate your pushback. And, you know. Sure. There's, um, there's a, a little bit of, to sort of go with this. Cause I think, I think you're hitting on something that's probably just not a priority in American culture as a, for large swaths of people, but to kind of give, give a, maybe something you'd think was awesome. That's sort of the inverse of that. You might know that Kevin and Jeff were in visiting a church that Redeemer supports, not this past week, but the week prior. Yes. And they were talking with a pastor there, and basically due to the due to the government crackdown of where they are, the building where they met, uh, government said, uh, no more meeting here, and also no more churches like you meeting in the city. You guys can all meet in this one facility an hour away from the city, and you have to take turns what days you meet. So basically saying, like, you can you can worship here. And we're going to let you and the other church... Are you allowed to tell this story on this podcast? I think so. Um, Keep it it quiet. I'll I'll ask. Before you you go live. I'll ask. But uh, but basically, the the pastor there saying... um, uh, Kevin and Jeff kind of asked him, and they said, 
well, what's that going to do for your attendance now that you've had to relocate? And um, now that, you know, it's going to be harder and the time's going to change. And the pastor said, well, we've got 500 to 600 members. So we'll still have those 500 to 600 wherever we meet. And like the, the understanding being that you're a member of this church, they take it seriously upon themselves to be active in the life of the church, which um, sounds hardcore, but it's a really cool that that's kind of where the heart of those people were. I'll double check. I'll double confirm that that's no case already to tell before it gets posted. But, um, but anyway, I digress. Hans, you have one more, one yes, more question. Yes, okay, I hear you. I have one more, and this is a quick one, and this just goes to human nature. It's pastor nature, too. I think you could have the same critique of me um, because of this. This is a critique-ish podcast. Um, uh, but the last one is, could you just be sure that you have a steady diet of encouragement before you lead with critique? Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, it, again, it's the same thing for – you could say the same thing toward me. Um, but I, I find that Christians, maybe Western Christians in particular, maybe it's all Christians, I don't know, but the ones that I engage with, not just at my church, but just that I hear and engage with, have an uncanny ability to tell you what's wrong with mm-hmm. something. Uh, and, 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 and what maybe what the church needs to be doing, that's a phrase, the church should do X. What is the church doing about that? What is the church engaging with? How are we doing this thing? And, and every time I hear that, I feel like it's a spectator position. Um, and so uh, I, I totally get critique. I don't, I'm not perfect. Our church is not perfect. Um, and any church that I would go to after this would not be perfect. Uh, I understand being told I'm not good at things. I understand people correcting my sermons. I understand people telling me things I did that frustrate them. I have been critiqued, and I have been made better because of it. But I do find that I think our critique muscle is a little more developed than our encourage muscle. Mm -hmm. And so what I would just say is make a habit um, of encouraging, especially your church leaders and your volunteers, uh, that you don't always need to lead with what's wrong or what needs to be done or what needs to be changed because there's a long list of that. And, our, and at the chapel, I, honestly, these folks are, are pretty dang good at, at doing that. I feel very loved here. But I do think that critique bone gets gets done a lot where you say – I call it a muscle and a bone. I can't – I guess you got to pick which you know metaphor I'm using. Um, but, but encourage more than you critique. Don't, sure. don't remove critique. But you bring encouragement, and if you do have critique, I would also just say this: bring uh, bring a solution. I think it's easy for a congregant to bring, or a church member at all, to bring a problem. Hey, mm-hmm. hey here's something that's wrong. Yeah. And, and I don't respond well to that. I, I I'm like, okay, great, that's a problem. Would you like me? I I know more things that are problems than just that. <laughs> uh, so so if we're just if we're just sharing problems and we want to go back and forth, we can go back and forth for a while on this. Uh, but I, I need, yeah. I need and desire ch- church members who don't just bring problems but bring solutions, and that they don't bring problems only, but they also bring encouragement. And I still get uh, now, now that I'm kind of on my way out, requests for meetings are more about encouragement than critique. But I would just say, for probably the past five and a half to six years of my time at the chapel, I get pretty ner- nervous when somebody wants to meet with me. Because it's oh it's bo- oh boy, what did I do? Especially yeah. with no 
with no content. Like, hey, can we meet? Right? Like it's it's just that. It's yeah. not. I'd love to get lunch with you. There's no there's no phrase like that. I'd really just like to see how you're doing. But when it's just a blanket request for a meeting, uh, I my I and I know I'm not the only pastor who does this, but I my knee jerk reaction is, oh crap, what is this gonna be about? Yeah. What, did I, what has did I say on? something? Did someone hear me say something? Did it, yeah. Um, the uh, I think if I had to guess where I know at least some of this stems from, it would have to be the fact that as as a congregant, as somebody under pastoral leadership, there's, particularly for men especially, I think, when you're under the leadership of somebody else, you want to, you want to keep the autonomy of letting that person know that you you still have the ability to critique and still have the ability to, to judge. Whereas encouragement is more of a giving up of your, is more of a giving up, letting go of the reins of your own control. And, and, and you don't, it's, it's basically, you can't encourage somebody and say, and you're under my thumb at the same time. Where, whereas when, even with a pastor and hope, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just real, real cynical manipulative, but even with a pastor, it's easy for, I can speak to my own heart to say like, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm with you. I'm good. Just so you know, though, here's where I'm not with you. And so this is the, that's the, that's the division. <laughs> but, uh, so don't, well, I, don't I, think I you have, have don't think you've got all of me. Yeah. Hey, listen, I do the same thing. Like, and I'm watching this in my own heart. And in fact, bringing these questions up and these, these statements have, have had me check my own heart, uh, because it's revealing things about me, but it's, isn't it easy uh, isn't it easy when anybody shares something about, like, I'll just say, Hey man, uh, this is what God's doing in my life right now. And mm-hmm. if often when I hear somebody say that, maybe it's somebody I know or somebody I love, it's easy to kind of come underneath that and be like, yeah, but he's, why isn't he doing that? That other yeah. thing, because I think you suck at that. Yeah. And so I think there's this, we have this innate ability to not hear what is good and not speak life when, when we, we could speak life. And this is something I had to learn even in my preaching. It, you know, Sherry Fox, our women's minister, has given me great advice early on. She goes, Hans, you want to call people up. You don't want to beat them down with your words. You call them up. Keep calling them up. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody, pastors, elders, church staff, leaders, volunteers, church members, we all respond better when we're called up to something versus necessarily called out on something or being critiqued on something. Um, and, 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 and don't add it. It, it, it's not like, a, hey, I'm going to give you something nice so that I can then punch you in the gut when I'm done. Like, oh, Dale, great drum lick. I hate the drums. You know, <laughs> I can hear, I, I, I can, I can hear that you're getting better. I wish the drums were gone. Great teaching. Why didn't you say it like this? Right? Like, like so. It's not this one-two combo. It's just encourage because that's what believers should do. Critique yeah. when it's appropriate. Yeah. That, like, like, and 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 we want to trust the spirit for one another. So th- that's my take, man. Um, if you go to my church and you think that I'm directly talking about you, maybe I am. I don't know. Um, this is like a conglomerate of my experiences, sure. uh, more than anything else. And I love my church and I love these people, but that's just kind of a little under the hood. Some of the things that I think about as a pastor that go through my head. Uh, there are many more, but those are the ones that came to mind as we started to talk about this episode. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate it. I think it was good, I think, for people in my position to to sort of rehumanize pastors, to understand that the same difficulty is the same weird power dynamics that it feels like from one side are felt on both sides. And it's usually humans just, you know, 
sinful humans trying to make these relationships work. So Hans, thanks for taking the time. I think that's good for this week. Next week, I'm looking forward to it because next week it'll be going the other way. I'm looking forward to it as well. I love the things you brought up. So I've already seen them and I'm already formulating responses to them. So you brought up some good stuff. Everybody listening, you should totally hear it. Uh, Looking forward to the time, Dale. And thank you so much for giving us your post foster uh, foster parent night to this. Uh, If you have any questions, email Dale or pastorandplebe at gmail.com. Be sure, if you've made it this far, to give us a five-star rating on (laughs) iTunes because I think uh, we, we deserve it. That's we're definitely deserving. true. That's definitely true. I don't I don't know yeah. anyone else that's doing what we're doing. <laughs>